Welcome to the Sustainability Report podcast. Inspiration and insight from sport and sustainability champions. Here's your host, Matthew Campelli. Hi, I'm Matthew Campelli, and this is the Sustainability Report podcast. Almost 8 million people die every year as a result of poor air quality, with more than half of the fatalities related to outdoor air pollution. Athletes, according to the IAAF, are a disproportionately affected demographic because of the time they spend outside, the way they breathe, and in the case of elite runners, the time they spend competing, often on roads and in stadiums located in large polluted cities. Endurance running icon Paula Radcliffe is the face of the governing body's ambitious air quality campaign, which is investigating the link between air quality and athlete health using monitoring devices in stadiums. Despite her sporting success, Radcliffe was diagnosed with asthma at a very young age, and since her retirement in 2015, she's been campaigning for cleaner air. In this episode, she will explain how poor air quality impacted her career and how the IWF is trying to safeguard the health of runners, from elite athletes to recreational joggers, by generating a pool of data that can help them make healthier training decisions regarding air quality. Enjoy the show. Hi, Paula. Thanks for coming onto the show today. It's great to have you on. Thank you. Nice to join. So about a year ago, you became um, an IAAF Clean Air Ambassador, I think, to build on the ambassador work you already do with the United Nations with regard to, to clean air. Um, so just to kick off the show, Paul, it would be great to find out, you know, wh- why you got involved with those projects and, and why clean air and air quality is, uh, is an important issue for you. Uh, well, I mean, I think because of first and foremost being a, r- a runner and spending a lot of time outdoors, I was diagnosed with exercise-induced asthma when I was about 14. And so I've kind of been living and managing with that throughout my career. So that already had underlined to me how important good quality air to exercise and live in was. And then when I became a mother, um, it becomes even more important because we want to make sure that our kids are growing up and breathing and exercising in in safe and clean air. Uh, And then I think when I worked with the World Health Organization, that really opened my eyes to how bad the problem is in some areas of the world. And that's why it's very, very important what the IAAF are doing in terms of of making sure that everybody, wherever they're taking up athletics or running in the world, knows when is the the safest and best time to exercise and where are the best places to do so. Because I think it's vital that we get everybody more physically active, but it's really vital that when we encourage people to be physically active, they're doing so in air that's, that's clean and good for them. I think right now we're focused very much on climate change and issues like ocean plastic, which of course are really important to our planet. But if you look at just the sheer number of uh, deaths that are caused by, you know, poor air, um, I think it's something like 7 million people die every year because of air pollution. It, it's really great that the IWF is seeing this as an opportunity to do something about it. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think um, it, it's it's important that it's kind of twofold, that we're encouraging people and especially children to get physically active but that we're ensuring that they have the the air to exercise in that isn't going to damage their health. It's going to be rather helpful to their health to be exercising. You had a stellar career in athletics. Uh, I think many people might be surprised to find out that you that you were suffering with asthma when you you know, broke those records and, and won those medals. Uh, can you characterise how you felt? I mean, did air pollution, did, did you physically feel a difference um, from kind of race to race, depending on city or stadium that you're in, um, because of the air quality? Definitely, definitely. uh, You feel it very, very quickly. And I don't think that's just because I'm asthmatic. I think any athlete notices it, but an asthmatic athlete will notice it uh, a little bit worse. Uh, I was very lucky. My um, 
that my asthma was picked up uh, very early on and uh, I had some good advice and it was I learned to control it throughout my career to travel with a peak flow monitor so if I was in a city or an area that was more polluted or more triggers then I knew to increase the dosage of my inhalers and to just be careful about warming up enough and, and yeah, mostly it was just the increase in the inhalers and exercising at the right times of day, because uh, sometimes of day are worse than others. Um, and if I did that, then I could generally get away without a, a, an attack that was too bad. Um, I learned to kind of recognize those triggers in advance, particularly pollen ones, seasonal ones that are easy to predict or pollution where you know that going into a big city, it, it's going to be bad. I think your clean air ambassador colleague, Hele Gebrselassi, he famously pulled out in Beijing because of concerns around air quality. Were there ever any times when you felt that you, you, you attempted to pull out of a race because you were worried about the city's air quality? Um, did you ever do that in your career? Uh, no, I was lucky I didn't ever have to pull out of a race because of the air quality. Um, I think things like Olympic Games and World Championships, you don't have much choice in, in where they're going to be held. But in big city marathons, you do have a choice. So that would definitely be a factor in my choice. It would be that I would rather go and race in a, in a city that had cleaner air rather than those were, which were known risk factors um, for competition. Uh, I do remember also when we were, when I was actually commentating on the 2015 World Championships in Beijing. When we arrived in, there wasn't the, the shutdown on factories and the reduction of traffic in Beijing. So going for a run in the mornings then was a noticeable effect on the rest of the day in terms of headaches, nausea, just not feeling very good at all through the rest of the day. And it was quite amazing how once the shutdown kicked in, the air quality improved quickly within a couple of days uh, and those effects disappeared. We talk about air quality for people generally walking in the street and people, athletes, who are going to be running and competing. There's a distinction there, isn't there? Because I think the athletes are very much dis disproportionately affected by bad air quality because of the, the way that you breathe when you're competing, particularly endurance athletes, for a, a long period of time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, the, it's the depth that you're taking the air into your lungs and also the, the rate at which you're breathing. So the breaths per minute are increased hugely in a runner rather than in somebody who who's just walking around um, and that's why those effects are noticed much more quickly I mean there's been some studies done that, for example a 90 minute run in Tampere in Finland uh, you are receiving positive health benefits for the whole time that you're running um, if you were to do the same in New Delhi India I think it's after about half an hour it's actually detrimental to your health to keep wow. running in that environment because although you're getting the benefits of exercise you are polluting your body and taking in that polluted air it, it's scary um, and I think that factor plus the the evidence that was shown when I was at the World Health Organization about the lungs of uh, a newborn baby or a six-month-old baby um, showing the same damage as someone who'd been smoking for 20 years um, as a mother is really, really shocking. And I think we all have to be doing something to make sure that those children are able to grow up in a healthy environment. Yeah, my, my goodness, that's a pretty stark picture, actually. I mean, that should be uh, an advertisement for, for us doing something very drastically about this issue, I think. 
Yeah, definitely. Which which brings me nicely on to the IAAF, which is actually doing something about it. They recognise that um, this is going to affect their sport massively in the long term, particularly if people feel that running is uh, becoming a detriment to their health. Perhaps you could talk a little bit about what they're trying to achieve um, with the project they're doing. Um, I mean, essentially what we're trying to achieve is just to to raise awareness um, uh, about the importance of air quality and to provide information to enable people to to take up exercise, but to take up exercise safely. Um, so we're putting in air quality monitors in a lot of stadiums um, around the globe. I know there's a couple in, in Monaco where I live um, and there's one in Tokyo, I think there's one in Mexico City, they're growing all the time. And um, what those will hopefully do is provide the information to be able to to feedback to athletes when is the safe time of day, when the air quality is not good and the days when it is good. Um, and just to give people that little bit more information when they're planning their training, say for the week ahead or for the day, um, when is the best time to be able to go out and exercise. Obviously, the IWF is uh, it's, it's a big organization in, in the world of sport, but how important is it that other kind of stakeholders get involved in what the IWF is doing, particularly when we talk about governments, private businesses, but where do you see the role played by other kind of parts of society in, in this project? Well, I think it's really important. I mean, obviously the IWF is, is helping by putting these um, these machines in place to, to monitor it, but we could probably do with a lot more. So I also worked with, with Dyson on their air quality um, improvements uh, machines, and that was really mind-blowing to me as well that the air quality inside could reflect or could sometimes be worse than the air quality outside uh, so we're not ta- just talking about where we're exercising outside also in gyms and also just within the house what we can do there to to reduce indoor air pollutants uh, the majority of which I guess come from cooking but also from cleaning sprays uh, and air fresheners things like that um, which all reduce the, the quality indoors. So I think the more information we can get out there from as many sides as possible and then using that information to put pressure on on governments and local organisations to actually do something proactive about hard and concrete efforts to reduce the, the air pollution. Yeah, I think that that was a really interesting project that you, that you did with with Dyson. So just if you can explain a bit for the listeners, you wore a device, didn't you, for a day and you ran around yeah. London in, in, a, in a few specific areas to kind of uh, track the pollution that you that you were inhaling as you went for your run. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, I wore the device um, in and around the house, first of all, cooking and cleaning just to see what the effect would be there. And then went out for a run through central London, I was really surprised um, because I expected it to be high, kind of around Elephant and Castle area, running along the side of the road. Um, but, but I didn't expect it to be the highest actually underground in the tube stations where, where some of the worst because of the dust really? getting stirred up and, and the particles down there. Um, and once you go into the park, I guess I did expect it to be better, um, but it was hugely better the minute you step into into the park. So that, again, underlines the importance of having these these green spaces and green areas in all of our cities. It's a very good advert for running to work rather than getting the tube, I think. Yeah, but run through the parks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I think the IWF, I think it's coming to the end of the kind of initial pilot period now for the air quality project. But the overall ambition, I think, is to get, what is it, around a thousand air quality monitors in IWF certified tracks around the world? 
Yes, something like that is the overall um, ambition and to keep those there and to keep that feedback being given and then maybe to to get it to the stage where there is some kind of app feedback um, where runners can can just go onto the app that day and just see what the air quality is in their city um, or in that stadium and when is the best time to, to go run. So just just to clarify, this is not just for elite athletes like yourself. This will be for a normal kind of um, recreational runner just trying to keep fit or enjoy running. Any, anyone could Absolutely. Can, can be aware of this. Yeah, yeah. I think the more people that we can make aware of it, the, the better, because more and more people are taking up um, exercise and trying to do something positive about improving their health. And I think the more people that we can reach with the information about exercising in clean air and the best times of day to do so, the best places to do so, then, then the better. Do you feel that there's awareness around current athletes competing now? Um, of, of the problem of air pollution is it something that's talked about among the kind of elite athlete community currently yes i think so i think it, it's growing all the time and certainly if i compare it with what it used to be 10 15 years ago then it, it's it's vastly improved of course the problem is increasing all the time as well um but i think that within athletes who generally tend to be fairly aware of their bodies i think it's it is fairly well understood now um the dangers and just being aware that when you go to a city that's more polluted, just take those precautions as much as you can, especially even in terms of antioxidants and things like that, just to help your body fight the environment as as much as possible. Um, I guess where it's not as um, understood is in the amounts of, of children that we have, and we're encouraging children to walk to school, particularly in big cities. And that may not now be kind of the most healthy way for them to get to school or even just giving them the information that yes you can take this route and it'll take you five minutes longer to walk to school but you'll be exposed to this many less pollutants then I think that's that's a good thing and particularly working with the young generation now they're more likely to make those changes uh, I think than older generations which are more set in their ways no I've always walked that way and that's the way I'm going to walk to work um, kids if you give them that information that it's that much better for you to to walk this way through the the green spaces and through the parks then I think they will take that information it's just making sure that it's explained to them and that education is provided mm. it's interesting because I think we talked right at the very top of the the podcast about the fact that People obviously there's a there's an awareness around air pollution now, but it's not really spoken about to the extent that other kind of environmental factors are spoken about currently. No. Why, why do you feel this is poor? Is, is it because of the kind of intangibility of it, that the fact that it's a very invisible killer, we can't really see what's happening to us? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think when you think about plastics and then you see the images of the sea, of the beaches, of the dangers of uh, of plastics everywhere, then I think that's a very easy visual shocking element to kick people into taking action. Um, And it's also maybe one that's slightly easier to incorporate into daily life in terms of reducing your consumption of them. Um, And then I think with the air pollution, it's it's not visible unless you kind of show biopsies uh, of lungs of people that have grown up in in very polluted areas. You haven't really got that kind of shock factor. Mm -hmm. Um, So I, I think that plus the fact that it's maybe more difficult to do something about reducing um, mean that it's the one that's kind of left to till later to tackle when actually it's one of the more urgent ones 
Yeah, that's a really interesting point. I mean, if, if we talk about just doing things from a kind of civilian level, when we look at the single-use plastics issue, it's very easy to just, you know, stop using single-use plastic bottles. But but when it comes to changing your behaviours with regards to air pollution, it's probably a bit more challenging, I guess. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think we're all trying to do so as much as possible uh, in terms of yeah, walking when we can, um, sustainable energy, uh, hybrid cars, things like that. But it's it needs a, a bigger effort and it can sometimes be a more costly effort as well. What can governments, big businesses do to really make a, a big difference, to, to bring those number of deaths down significantly every year? Because as, as you're saying, it's growing steadily every year. What can they do to kind of turn it around to reduce it, do you think? Well, I think um, reducing um, or changing over power as much as possible, um, using things like uh, sustainable energy, electric uh, buses and public transport, things like that, um, trying to, to put things in place in because you can't really rip up the whole tube system the metro system <laughs> things like that you could try, but, <laughs> um, putting measures in place just to try and collect those particles if that's possible um i think that could make a big difference um green energy as much as possible is really i think a big way forward and yet yeah, encouraging people to to walk or to cycle as much as putting cycle lanes into into cities into places all of those measures help to reduce um and making sure that track, uh, factories are encouraged to, to use green energy as much as possible. But did you feel that there's a sense that this could really have an impact on athletics in, in the sense of getting um, encouraging the future generation of people to, to become active runners? As the as air pollution, as the awareness around air pollution increases, they, they feel that running is not a very healthy thing for them to do, and that might you know decrease the pool of potential elite runners in the future. Um, I think, to be honest, what was the most deciding factor um, or the most motivating factor for the IWF was more that we have these initiatives to get as many kids active as possible, to get as many people physically active, to kind of take up running. We can see how much road running in particular is really taking off and growing. Um, and it was that responsibility of making sure that if we're in, encouraging all these people to do something that's better for them, then we've got to try and make sure that it is better for them and that they're not exercising in unhealthy air and, and harming their bodies by doing too much. So I think it was more that rather than thinking about the elite future. Um, but I think there is the factor that um, in lesser developed countries, the air pollution, particularly indoor air pollution, is much worse. Um, and so by trying to encourage people there to, to take up exercise, we have to first make sure that they're, they're living and exercising in, in as clean air as possible. I think uh, when we talk about these kind of projects, sustainability projects within sport, a lot of the uh, the emphasis has to come from the top. And I think that, that Seb Coe has been extremely vocal about the um, the air quality project. And I think that even to some extent he said that he would like to see in the kind of the, the bidding process in the future for IWAF events, you know, looking at air quality going forward. Do you think that's yeah. a, a good, good policy and feasible going I forward? Think that's a, yeah, I think that's a very good policy. I think that for too long... Um, how should we say that the the air quality wasn't considered in judging where championships um, were uh, were placed and um, which cities won the bid? And I think it should have been because when you are taking your elite athletes uh, and asking them to perform in the kind of showcase for your sport uh, to the maximum of their abilities, um, then you need to be making sure that you provide them 
with clean air to do so in. So it really, for me, should be one of the first considerations. Is this a city with clean air? And then, yes, we can send the, the championships to that city. How would you look at this in practice? Would a, a city need to make a certain commitment in the future about trying to lower air pollution? Uh, would they need to have it at a certain level already? How would you kind of try and enforce this, do you think? Um, well, I think, obviously, cities that have a, a lower air pollution already are starting at an advantage. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I think um, making them aware of maybe how bad it is, because um, maybe some of them aren't. And then, yes, um, just incentives and measures put in place that will improve the air quality, not just for the duration the championships are held there. It has to be something that will be lasting afterwards for the people who are living and working and exercising in, in that air all the time. One of the interesting aspects of the project, I think currently uh, a lot of it has just been about measuring the air and keeping a tab on kind of, you know, like you said, times of day and locations and what the air quality is like. But I think further down the track, IWF will be looking at, you know, be testing athletes and uh, surveying athletes, uh, looking at it from, a, from an athlete perspective rather than just the air perspective. Um, what kind of things do you think that IWF will, will pick up from those kind of studies? Um, I think, yeah, just being able to pick up where is getting, like I said before, just getting the information out there and also seeing what kind of things affect it. So um, I guess one of the things that picked up, we picked up from um, those championships in Beijing was that by just reducing the, the traffic, um, for example, people could only take their cars on alternate days or by um, closing down certain factories that had a huge impact on the quality of the air. If we were to sit down in kind of five years' time and kind of review it, what would you like to say that, that you've achieved as an ambassador? I mean, I think if you've just made a small difference, then that's already something. I think people sometimes don't want to take on a task because it's going to be too difficult to, to completely solve it. I don't think um, we're going to completely solve the, the problem of air pollution, but I do think that if we can provide people with information, we can at least improve the quality that most people are exercising in and improve the awareness uh, of being able to choose the, where they should exercise and when they exercise, then that's already a win situation. And I think especially if you're helping to make sure that kids that are coming into the sport are able to exercise in cleaner air, then that's already winning. Did you think that the other sports, uh, you know, will be able to look at what you're doing uh, with regards to this and be able to, you know, take some cues from it or pick up on it or perhaps even contribute to the, the project, considering that other sports are going to be affected by air pollution as well? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think so and hope so. Bear in mind that a lot of the athletic stadiums and the places where we fitted the, the monitors are also used for other sports, um, be it for football or rugby or, or different sports using that. So just providing that information to those sports as well will feed on to that. Um, and yes, if we can have some more um, sports just having that awareness raised. I mean, think of sports like cycling and how many people are out on bikes and cycling on the roads in, um, in polluted cities and, and maybe not aware of how great that pollution is. Paul, it's been fun, wonderful speaking to you today. Thanks very much for your time. Thank you. Thanks very much. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like the episode, don't forget to subscribe for future editions to hear more from the champions of the sport and sustainability movement. Also visit sustainabilityreport.com and follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn for the latest news, analysis, exclusive interviews, and actionable case studies related to sustainability in sport. Bye for now.